Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Man, it's so good, right? Well, I want to read a passage over us to get us going where we're going to go today. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, and right after our stories, right, this works really well. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It says this. It says that we bless God, we give him glory because he's blessed us. This, is like, this verse is like a blessing extravaganza, right? Like there's a lot of blessing going on here. And as we just shared testimonies and stories of how God is moving and setting people free and healing bodies and souls, God is using people, of course, to bless the city. What I, what I want to be able to say is that God is pouring out spiritual blessings. In fact, I would go as far as to say is he's, he's doing a new work. Anyone feel the newness of the work God is doing these days? Anybody? Isaiah 43, I love this passage. It's, it's the new work passage, right? Isaiah 43, starting in verse 18, he says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you, do you not perceive it? And here's the truth. Sometimes it's really hard to see and recognize the new thing. And the reason is, is because we're obsessed with the old thing. We're obsessed with it. We, we love the comfortable thing. We love the thing that we understand. So even if we see the new thing, we don't always see the new thing as God's blessing. I want to talk about that today. How is the new thing the new blessing that God wants to bring? Today we begin a series about blessing. Everyone say blessing. For three weeks, just a short little mini-series. I get it, three weeks, but we're going to talk about this idea of blessing. And today, um, we talk about how this new thing is a new blessing. We live in a world, right, where it's all about hashtag blessed, right? We go on vacation, we post the pics, hashtag blessed. We eat a great meal out at dinner, hashtag blessed. You know, we find some fries that we weren't expecting in the bottom of the bag, hashtag blessed. Right? That's how, we, that's how we roll these days. But underneath the surfacey blessing, right, I want us to actually explore what true blessing is. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this. This is, this is the title verse of this series. I haven't even told you the title of the series yet. That's coming. That's coming. But it says this in verse nine, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We have titled this little mini-series, My Vats Are Brimming. This is a series about blessing. Everyone say, my vats are brimming. Say it again, my vats are brimming. What's a, what's a vat? Well, it's a container. Here's a modern-day modern vat, right? It's a, it's a thing that uh, holds wine, typically, right? And... Everybody's amen in the wine. <laughs> Today's message is called new wine. Some of you are going to like that. This word picture, though, has captured my imagine, imagination. 
We all know the process for making wine, right? We put a bunch of grapes in a big old vat. We crush them down, get the juice out. It stays in the vat. It ferments and becomes wine, right? And I love the imagery of this passage, though. He says, I will fill your barns. I want to fill your vats until they are overflowing with new wine. I mean, that's a lot of blessing, and that is a lot of wine. And so for the next few weeks, as we explore in this series and explore this verse, because it says a lot. There's a lot to talk about just in these two verses in Proverbs 3. But I just want you to know this is not necessarily a series, even though we're going to talk at some point how God cares about our wealth, because it says that at the beginning of the passage. But this is, this is not some prosperity perspective where we're going to talk about how God wants to make you rich or how God wants to give, you know, if you give $100 to a TV evangelist, it's going to come back 1000 in, in return. You know, that's not the way, that's not what we're talking about here. Like, we're not talking about that sort of blessing. However, what we do find in the Bible that's pretty consistent is that God wants to bless his children. And not just in resources, but he wants to bless us spiritually. He wants to bless us eternally. He wants to bless us in relationships, that God has a blessing for his children. And these blessings are wrapped up in his promises for us. And there's some capacity that we need to understand that God wants to give us a kind of blessing that overflows, right? It's it's that our vats are brimming. Now, we have to be honest about blessing, though. See, the secret underbelly of blessing is this. That you and I may say, oh man, God is so good, he has blessed me. We might say that, yet the very next thing we say is, man, if the cost of living keeps going up, I'm in trouble. I'm blessed, but if politics keep deteriorating, man, we're all doomed. Man, if my job doesn't get better, man, I'm going to give up, I'm finished. If, if my life, if I don't get the things that I'm really wanting then I'll lose all hope. So we say, this is, this, this, is this, this is the different sort of strange, if you will, dance that we do with God. Yes, God, I believe you are good. Yes, God, I believe you've made promises. Yes, God, I believe I'm blessed. Yet, I'm not really content what's in, what's in my vat. My vat does not feel like it's overflowing. It does not feel full to the brim. In fact, why is my vat don't, not look like their vat? And so we start comparing and we say, their blessing seems way better than my blessing. Why is my life the way it is? And so the secret underbelly of blessing is we like to compare the surface of things to measure our blessing. Blessing is this strange dance, right? We're going to talk about what God has given us. We're going to talk about what God says about, yes, wealth and resources. But more importantly, like I said, this isn't a sermon series about money really at all. Um, This is more about... This is more about the way God moves in us and the way we trust in him. And I want to start today with the last two words of that scripture in Proverbs 3, verse 10. The the two words were new wine. Everyone say new wine. wine. Proverbs 3.10 says that our vats will brim over with new wine. Why Why new wine? I mean, shouldn't it be old wine? Isn't old wine better than new wine? I'm no wine connoisseur. That may surprise you. But I do know that old wine is better than new wine. I do know that a 92 Merlot is better than a 2020 Cabernet. I know a lot about wine. (laughs) I know that. Old is better. But in the scriptures, when he says new wine, 
There's a lot of things going on in the word sometimes where a, a word picture or an idea is given in a prophetic context. And so in the Old Testament, when new wine was mentioned, it was a prophetic, prophetic meaning of the new promise that God was bringing, specifically in the promised land, that he was going to bring them into a land that was flowing with milk and honey, right? Like he was going to give them this new promise. In the New Testament, Jesus, when he mentions new wine, he's talking about a, a new teaching versus an old way of teaching. One of the best examples in the scripture and place to begin is in John chapter 2. Jesus is invited to a wedding, and he goes to this wedding. And this, and this wedding is where the first miracle of Jesus takes place. So before he healed people, before he gave sight to the blind, before he fed the masses, before he raised the dead, Jesus turned water into wine. This is his first miracle, which could be considered an odd miracle to start with to say, I'm going to give a bunch of wine to a bunch of thirsty partiers. That's where he begins his journey. How many know that Jesus is different, right? He's just different. He does things different. He's doing something new all the time. And so let's just read this story. We'll explore. John 10, I mean, excuse me, John 2, starting in verse 1 through 10. It says this, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Now, I just got to pause real quick. Anytime in the ancient world, especially in ancient Israel, a wedding took place, it was not just a one-day one event. It wasn't just a few-hour event. It was usually a week-long affair, 7 to 14 days of celebrating and partying. So you know that was expensive for the family, right? That was an expensive thing. As a, as, as a father with three daughters, I am so glad the times have changed, right? right? I know some of you get frustrated when you have to go to a wedding for two hours on a Saturday afternoon. Imagine two weeks, right? So here we go. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. I love this verse because Mary, the mother of Jesus, is like, Listen, your time is now. Most likely, Mary knew the family, and she's like, listen, they ran out of wine. You know what that means, right? Imagine getting invited to a wedding. You get the invitation. It says five-course meal on it. You go hungry, right? You're ready to eat. You show up, and all they have is a bowl of peanuts for everybody to share. That would be embarrassing to the family. And in the same way, Mary probably knew this family. She didn't want the family to be embarrassed I don't know how far they're into this wedding, but I'm guessing there's days left. There's days left of celebration, and they've ran out of wine. And she's like, son, you best step up right now and make us some wine. And so it says this, nearby stood six stone jar, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So this is a big jar. We could call it a vat, right? Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Everyone say to the brim. These vats are brimming. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. No big deal, right? He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Servants always know, just so you know. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, meaning they bring out the old wine first and then the cheaper wine. This is like a party tip, by the way. Then the cheaper wine, the new wine 
Not that you're serving this seven days of wine to anybody, but just in case. Cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. So many things to say about this passage, but one of the first interesting things is to know that the new wine that Jesus gives is better than the old wine that started the party. So master of the banquet is like, this must be the old wine, but they're bringing it out late. This high quality aged Merlot, right, showing up at the end of the party, but this was actually the new wine. Why am I saying that again? Because it could be said that Jesus was bringing something new, and in this case, the new was better than the old. This is important. You know, Bible scholars, theologians, priests, pastors, we all teach the same thing. We teach that Jesus turning water into new wine is this prophetic picture of the new covenant that Jesus was now bringing into the world through his own blood and his own sacrifice and that he would make on our behalf. The new wine was a new promise. So Jesus brings this new wine, and it's really ushering in a prophetic sense a new promise that he was making. So perhaps there's a reason that Jesus started with the miracle of turning water into wine, because Jesus was prophetically proclaiming that I'm bringing something new. Do you not perceive it? Do you see the new thing I'm doing? It's new wine, and it's a new blessing. Jesus told a group of Pharisees. So this whole wine thing keeps going. Jesus is having a conversation with a group of Pharisees, and he tells them a parable. It's a really short parable about, about new wine and old wine. And he said this in Luke chapter 5, verse 37. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskin will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Can I teach you a little bit? Is that all right? You guys want to know what this means? Some of you already know. Jesus, in a short parable, he says something pretty profound. So wineskins during these days were typically made from goat skins. So they would make, take a goat skin, and these skins, when they're new, they have an elasticity to them. They're stretchable, right? And this is important because you pour new wine into a new wineskin. Whenever that new wine goes in, it's still fermenting. There's still a fermenting process happening, and there's gases that are released which expand the wineskin. And a new wineskin needs to be able to expand with that new wine. Eventually, though, that wineskin will be stretched to its capacity, and it becomes an old wineskin because there's no longer any stretch left in it. So if you go and pour new wine into an old wineskin and that, that, that fermenting process begins and it needs to stretch, well, there's, there's no stretch in it. Guess what happens? The old wineskin bursts, and it breaks, and it tears, and you ruin the wineskin, and you lose the wine, which no one wants to lose any wine, right? And so what we have here is a loss, in a prophetic sense, of blessing. The Pharisees were struggling with this. He's like, listen, I'm bringing a new teaching, new ways, a new covenant, a new way of life, and you can't try and pour this new thing into your old way of thinking, into your old way of life, into this old covenant that you're living under. There's something new that's going to be happening. And if you do try and do this, it's just going to cause waste. It's going to be painful. Things are going to tear and break. It's not going to work if you try and pour my new covenant and my new wine into your old ways. The Pharisees were struggling with this because they were like, listen, everything Jesus is doing is new. Everything he says feels new. 
Everything he does feels new. They're literally arguing with him when he comes up with this wineskin parable, and they're arguing with him because he is having dinner, a party, with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors. And they're like, why are you doing this? Because their old way of life says, we can't be friends with sinners. And his new way is saying, hey, I didn't come just for the healthy. I came for the sick. And this, for us today, makes so much sense. Well, of course, why would Jesus come for the healthy? But for them, it was brand new. They didn't get it. They didn't understand how to see this new wine, this new way, didn't fit into the old way. It was seen instead of a blessing, because Jesus was bringing a blessing, wasn't he, in this new wine. He was bringing a blessing. They didn't see it as a blessing, though. They saw it as a threat. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what new things, I wonder what new things God is bringing into your life that you've yet to recognize as a blessing and instead you see it as a threat. Maybe God, maybe God is, maybe he's stretching your theology. And you're struggling with that new wine because you're trying to put it into some old wineskins. Maybe he's calling you up into a new commitment. Or maybe into new practices, or maybe into new relationships. He's saying, I got some new people for you. He's trying to stretch you, but you can't pour that new wine into your old structure. You have to make room for the new. Your life is full of old ways, but God has new ways. You all with me? This isn't just moving things around in your life, this isn't like rearranging the furniture. You know, when you have a, you ever, how many of you guys have rearranged your living room ever in your life? And it's like, man, it feels good. Like, you get it all rearranged, you're like, man, it feels like a new room. Can I just tell you it's not? It's just been moved around. <laughs> you, see, you see, here's the deal. New wine isn't a rearrange, it's a remodel. Christy and I recently remodeled our bathrooms because they needed it really bad. But when we remodeled it, guess what? All the old stuff left. The, new, the tub went. The vanity went. Toilet went, it all went. And there was a demolition process of the old way. And we took out the old way, destroyed it, and it was a mess. And how many of you know that sometimes it's a mess before it's a bless? Come on. Right? It was a mess before it became the blessing, right? And so for us, it wasn't a rearrange. We didn't just move the old stuff around, we took it all out to make way for the new. It's not a rearrange, it's a remodel. I remember, what, I remember whenever, uh, oh, you know the other thing? I think sometimes we just try and add Jesus, but Jesus isn't an additive, he's a new wine. He's not an additive. I remember when the worship revival renewal was happening in the 1990s. Some of you are too young to remember that, or you were just a baby. But believe it or not, we used to read out of books called hymnals, and we'd read the songs. We didn't have lyrics on screen, and we didn't have instruments on stage, except maybe an organ or a piano. And God was doing something new. He was, he was bringing renewal to worship. Now, it didn't mean that old was all bad, but it just meant there was some new blessing coming. But how many know that some people saw that new thing as a threat? They weren't quite sure if they went. It took them a long time to come around to the new blessing that God was bringing to his church by just introducing new ways of worship. 
I know that God is stretching our church in new ways, for example, into a new day and into a new blessing, I believe. He's calling us to pray in ways that are going to threaten our old ways. They're going to threaten the way that we feel comfortable. They're going to threaten our time because we're going to have to say, you know what, we're going to contend when, it's, when we'd rather just be comfortable. I believe he's doing a new work of discipleship and mentorship. He's calling some of you to truly mentor other people, raise them up in Christ. But you know what? That's going to threaten something. It's going to threaten your comfort. It's going to threaten your time. It's going to threaten your insecurity that I don't have anything to give. When God's like, no, 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 I've put a lot in you, and everything I have in you I want to pour out of you. So let's consider a question today. And the question is this, what would keep you from seeing the new thing that God is doing and the new blessing he is bringing? This is a personal question. What would, what would keep you from seeing it? What would keep you from seeing the new thing that God is doing and the new blessing? For the Pharisees, it was a threat to something old that they held, they held dear, right? Another thing it could be is a lot of us are looking around and expecting it to look like what he's always done before. And so we think the new thing should look similar to the old thing. And if it looks different, we have a hard time with it. So we aren't looking for really a new thing. We're just looking for the same old thing. We're like, God, you did it like that before. Do it like that again. I want to go back to Isaiah 43, the, verse, the new thing verse that I read a minute ago. I want to back up a couple verses, though, to verse 16. All right? It says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together... And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. What are we talking about here? What story? What sea? Let me just ask a quick question. What sea is he talking about? The red one. The red sea, right? And what enemies were snuffed out? The Egyptians who were the enemies of the Israelites who were trying to enslave them. So God made a way in the past by parting the waters. The Israelites, the people of God, they love that story. And for good reason, right? They're like, do you remember the time that God parted the Red Sea? We still tell that story. We sing songs about that story today. Like, that story's powerful. God parted the Red Sea for his people. God sees us. God loves us. God, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? This is the story. And then he goes on in the very next verse. He says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. What? Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it goes, springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Listen to this. If we're looking for God to bless and move like he's done in the past, but we're not in the same place, how does that work? At the past, they were standing on a beach. Where are they standing right now? Anybody know? Someone just said it. Desert. In the wilderness, right? They're in the wilderness. So they're like, hey, God, part the Red Sea. But he's like, there's no sea around here. In the past, God parted the waters, and that was the blessing to them. But the new thing, God is bringing the water. He's making streams in the wasteland. You see, Israel, or excuse me, Isaiah said, God, is, God in the past made a way through the water, but God in this new thing is making a way to the water. And this is what he's doing for us. And see, there's a new blessing. In other words, the new thing will be different than the old thing. New wine needs new wineskin. It's a new day. Don't be afraid. Don't be threatened. Welcome the new thing because in it is a blessing that God has for you. 
in it is a blessing you don't really recognize yet, but it's coming to you. And he wants to pour it into your life. He wants your vats to be brimming. Last Monday night, uh, during Alpha, which our final night of Alpha, and then during Monday night prayer, I was praying with a few people. And we, want, who, we were actually praying about a number of things, but specifically what I wanted to share is that I was praying with three different people who came and said, hey, I need a healing prayer for unforgiveness in my life. They were carrying the weight of unforgiveness, which was causing anxiety, all sorts of heaviness. So three different people we were praying, I asked them, while we were praying, I asked them the same question. I'm praying for a little bit, and then I say, are you feeling anything? Which I have to ask that a lot. I, I check in with people while I'm praying, and, hey, what's going on? Is God moving in your heart right now? Are you feeling anything? And, and, all, and as all three of them said the exact same response. They all said, I feel light, which is interesting. The, the same exact phrase, three different people, same night, but different prayers. They weren't all together. They all said the same thing. I feel light. And I felt as they said those words that God was doing something in that moment. There was an affirmation, for me at least, through seeing it three times happen. And that affirmation was God was removing that weight of unforgiveness off of them and he was healing them. He was healing them of that wound. He was healing them of that, that strain. And that he was actually saying, you know what, I'm going to remove that root of bitterness and unforgiveness and I'm going to replace it with a heart of grace and love, which is a lot lighter. And so he was removing the weight and is why they felt light. And I was like, thank you, God. That's, that's powerful. They don't have to walk under the weight. In other words, what used to be heavy is about to be made light. He told them, and, and I, excuse me, I told them, hey, you can't put that weight back on you, yeah. which is often what we do in those circumstances. We just go, oh, God did something. He brought something new, but we weren't used to it, and so we ran back to the thing we knew, which was unforgiveness. That burden, that weight has been lifted, and we got to let it go. I said, you can't, you can't go back to it. you got to let it go. you got to forget the former things. Are you all with me? You got to forget the former things so you can receive the new blessing. So another reason that we don't often recognize the new thing God is doing is because we struggle to let the burdens go in order to receive the blessing. Some of you are carrying a burden. It may be the burden of unforgiveness. It may be the burden of <clears throat> you haven't confessed something that you need to confess. You've been hiding something. But we need to let the weight go receive that new blessing. So if we go back to that question, right, that question I asked a few minutes ago, what would keep me from seeing the new thing that God is doing and the new blessing that he's bringing? Which is a question I think you should all write down, you should think about it, you should pray on this question. Because maybe the new thing, and let me see if any of these fit for you, maybe the new thing feels like a threat, but it's really a blessing. Or maybe you're looking forward in the way he's done it in the past, but he's doing it in a new way in the future. How many know that God is a way maker? Sometimes that way is through the water. Sometimes that way is to the water. Or maybe you're struggling to let go of some burden, but you have to let go of the burden to receive the blessing. My point is, is that there are things in your life that God is doing. There is a new way that he's always moving. And there's also something in your life that's keeping you from seeing it, that's keeping you from perceiving it. 
in order to receive the blessing. And so a lot of times we say, yeah, yeah, God, I'm blessed. I know you're good, but my bats don't feel brimming. And I'm like, maybe if we start paying attention to the actual new things he's doing and start stepping into the blessing and the new promises that he has for us, we'll actually feel that overflowing reality that God wants to give us. So I am praying a, a new blessing over this body, that there's new wine that's being poured out. And I'm saying, God, would you just, would you just, would you just release it in a way that, that feels free? And one that, that, that Lord, we would, we would not only get to taste and see, but more importantly, that Father, we, would, we wouldn't be resistant. We wouldn't feel threatened. We wouldn't be running back and, and saying, God, well, you didn't do it that way back then, so why are you doing it that That there would be a freedom to receive the blessing that God has for you. Like God wants to give you more. God wants to bless your life. But like I said, this isn't prosperity. This is just promise. That God has promised us something. That we can walk in freedom. That we can, we can feel the, the, the peace of the presence of God. Blessing is walking in accordance with his ways. It's blessing is finding our satisfaction in God and not in the things of this world. Blessing is being filled with the goodness and the grace of God to the fullest measure in our heart. Blessing is God's healing coming into our hearts, setting us free. God wants to fill your life. He wants you to be able to say, my vats are brimming. And God's blessing, as we know, it isn't about what he's done, all, as great as it is what he's done. The overflowing blessing and the new wine is about what he's going to do. It's about the new promise ahead of you. And so the, the question today as we start this little series is, is, what's the new thing God's doing in your life? Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Recognize it. I want to I want to pray over us and then I'll, I'm going to lead us into a time of, of communion today because we believe that this is really a great way to end today. And I'll explain in a moment. But Father, I pray that this word blesses people today. I pray this word is, it sits in our heart and that, Lord, we're, we're ready for what you have next. Lord, we love you. Trust you. You can look up here for just a few moments. I we decided the, the appropriate way to end today was with communion through what's known as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, right? There's a lot of different things. But this this thing that we're about to do is actually known as one of the sacraments of the church. There's two sacraments: baptism and holy communion. And what that means is we're just following in accordance with what the scripture says and what Jesus taught when he said, hey, I want you to go out and baptize people and I want you to remember me through communion. And today we get to do both. How great is that? Which is exciting. And the reason I think it's especially important today is I think the full extent of the message of new wine is fulfilled in Christ and represented in communion in the bread and in the wine. The ultimate blessing that Christ came to give us is found in his sacrifice that he made on the cross where he said, I'm establishing a new kingdom with a new covenant and a new, and a new body, which is the body of Christ, which is us. And so he says, I'm doing this for you. And of course, if we know the story, he sets with the disciples, he has a meal and he says, I want you to continue to do this practice to remember what I've done for you. And I wanna read from 1 Corinthians 11, where this story is sort of, sort of summarized 
later in the scripture. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Jesus started his ministry with turning the miracle of turning water into wine, and he ends it with turning wine into grace. Once again, the miracle working power of Jesus, right? The blood of Jesus that covers all of our sin. He says, remember this. Remember this. This is the great blessing of Jesus. And so I wanna, I wanna pray over us. And if that's all right, I would invite you to stand as we do this. If you'd stand, I'm gonna pray. Father, we pray just a prayer of gratitude right now, God. Thank you for your blessing. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.